0: everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I'm your host, April Hanna, and joining our show today is a licensed massage therapist from upstate New York, actually from the town that I'm living in now, Saratoga Springs, and I'd like to welcome Nick Pavoldi to our show. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bear. Thanks for joining us. Now, for some of the listeners who have um, actually listened to the show uh, from the beginning, they know that I have had some lower back pain issues <laughs> that I have sought out some acupuncture and chiropractic care. And that's kind of how I found you. And so Nick has been one of my massage therapists, and I was trying to find a different way to approach some of the issues that I was having, and it has created tremendous relief in my life. It has changed quite a bit of my life, actually, and I couldn't help but have him on and talk about this wonderful therapy that he does called structural integration, otherwise known as Rolfing. Um, but yes, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on our show today.
1: It's a Pleasure to be here.
0: So maybe you could tell um, some of our listeners, I'm sure that some of our listeners are probably interested in becoming massage therapists, but how did you start in this field of study?
1: So I went to massage school um, actually right from high school. My parents, um, I played football in high school and um, I went to kind of a small high school and I played a lot. And actually, uh I was the captain of the most losing team um Shelmont had ever had. <laughs> I don't think we won <laughs> any games that year. And it was one of the things that uh being the captain of a losing team teaches you is you just got to play for fun and you got to you got to just keep the hope. You got to keep the hope alive. And um, so that was one of my sort of early lessons. But my parents were really cool and they would get me massages after the games, you know, when you're in a small school. And you, you, I played nonstop through the whole thing and I'd be pretty beat up by the end. And um, I remember going to this guy and he was really good. But I'll never forget thinking that he missed a spot. And I never would have done that. I could be better than this guy that was supposed to be really the best. And I had never thought that about anything else, certainly not in high school. And I wasn't quite sure what to kind of what direction to go Um, and massage school. I grew up in Dwaynesburg and um, massage Dwaynesburg, New York is like an upstate kind of country town. And the massage school was in Tampa, Florida and I thought this would be a wonderful adventure, and so it was. It was a great adventure, and I moved to Tampa, and I went to massage school, kind of thinking I would put myself through college afterwards. Rather than working flipping burgers or something, I would be doing massage while I went to college, and so then I came back, and while I was in school, I realized I really enjoyed being a massage therapist, and I was good at it, and um, I really loved being in business. And, um, so the two things sort of went really, really nicely together. And there came a time when I realized my college work was really just there to support what I was doing in the massage field. And, um, so I kind of plugged along and did massage for a while. This is back in the late 1990s. Um, this, I went to massage school in 1995, graduated in 1996. So, um, after about three or four years I had done a lot of massages and I was working at a spa and I started to feel like this there's got to be more this isn't what I went to this for I didn't get into massage school just to sort of just this relaxation over and over and over again there there has to be more there's got to be something better here And right about the same time, I had um, lost a couple of pounds by running and kind of beating myself up and started to have a lot of knee pain. And I had heard that rolfing hurt, and I had heard about a guy that did it, and I was always sort of afraid to go have a session. And finally, I was like, I had been working on my knee and doing these things that I knew were supposed to help as a massage therapist and they weren't helping. I think maybe they were making it worse. I think what I was doing is making it worse. And I had some, I worked with some really wonderful people and we were all just like at a total loss about what to do. And here it is, I could barely stand at this point. And, you know, I was probably 24, 25 years old and, um, was having some, my knee was inflamed and I couldn't do things. And, um, finally I decided, yes, I'm going to go See this and I'm going to see what it's like. And I remember getting on the table and having the first session, and just feeling like it was the smartest massage I ever had. At that time, I still was comfortable with this idea of Rolfing being a massage. I see it more as bodywork now, and now hopefully we'll touch on that in a little bit. But getting a getting a bodywork session, getting this form of massage. I just felt like, wow, there's something going on underneath here that I totally don't understand. This is unlike any work I've ever had before. And it's funny, these days I sort of teach uh, continuing ed and that kind of thing. I teach other massage therapists, and I see that same flash all the time. (laughs) I'll be working with somebody, and I'll be doing some things, and they're just like, what on earth are you doing? (laughs) And why does it work so well? Yeah. You know? And, and so all of a sudden, I'm just like, aha, I got them. I got them interested, at least. Like I have got them intrigued. And um, so I had a session, and then I thought, uh, 10 sessions? Oh, my God, that's kind of a lot. And why does it take so many times? And it was the most expensive session uh, of anybody that I had. It was um, the prices were higher. But I thought, yes, I'm definitely going to do this again. So I had another one and I thought, I don't even know what that was, but it was totally different from the first one. But I'm, I'm feeling different. I feel different. My body feels different and I feel different in the world. Then I had the third one. And by the fourth one, this is the one, um, maybe, uh, you'll remember April is we're on the inside of your leg and you're like, what the hell is going on yes. here? That <laughs> is the one that sort of, that's where it goes from where kind of putting things together, where we're beginning to really challenge this structure. We're beginning to challenge the body and the way it's held itself until now. And we're starting to go to the next phase. And so I remember going home that night and for the first time in many, many years, I was really on top of my pelvis. So being a football player, you're, um, you, If you wear a cup, you're a guy that wears a cup. If you don't, you're like a man with a kilt with no kind of underwear on. And so, you know, half the guys (laughs) didn't do that. And that was me. And I remember getting a couple of sort of impacts. And you learn to sort of guard your genitalia. And this was the first time where I was standing tall. And I didn't need to feel guarded anymore. And I could feel upright. And I could feel like I can sort of embrace the world, and that feeling was really profound for me, and not only did it really help my knee pain at this point was gone, my back felt really great, Um, but I thought, this is something I want to learn. I want to learn how to do this. I want to become a rolfer. So I looked at the school. The school was in Hawaii, Um, and if you'll remember the kind of 1990s there, maybe, uh, maybe 2000, I think I signed up in 2000. There was this dot-com bubble, and I made just enough on a fiber optic stock on the internet to put myself through um, Rolfing School, almost to the dollar. It was $7,900, and I made about $8,000 in the stock market, literally overnight. I sold it. I said, that's it. I quit my job, moved to Hawaii, (laughs) and I thought, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I concluded the Rolfing series because that was a prerequisite. the thing. At that point, then I had a little bit more cash and I thought, let me just do this. I'm going to get this done. And um, so I began my studies um, with Rolfing, with Emmett Hutchins and in Kauai. He was at that time living in Kauai and Boulder, Colorado. And so that's when I began to see that, yeah, there's massage, there's Swedish and there's deep tissue and there's effleurage and there's some other things. And then there's body work. Then there's something that's, that's fundamentally designed to, make, to help your body improve its function. And that's how we define body work. The business I own now, it's called Body Work Professionals. And I call it Body Work Professionals because I see body work as a way of functionally improving the way your body works. And that I sort of got through this notion of rolfing where when I'm working with somebody, I use this idea of a central vertical axis that you've got a straight up and a straight down and that deviations from that cause problems. Oftentimes rotation, shifting of body segments one in relationship to the other one. And so before somebody comes in, I get to look at them standing. I get to look at them moving around. A lot of times after I've seen them once or twice, I get to look at them standing and moving around as they come up the stairs or they go into the office or I watch them go into the office. This way here, they're not paying attention to me looking at them. And, and I get a sense for what's not working. Where is their deviation? Ida Rolf, Ida Rolf was the woman who came up with Rolfing. She called it structural integration and her students called it Rolfing. She felt like Rolfing wasn't a good descriptor of what it is. I think it, truthfully, isn't a great name. Um, she felt structural integration was a better name, but, alas, Rolfing catches, and uh, so that caught. So she looked at this, um, she looked at a body and said, what can we do to improve this function? And she knew that um, we we didn't need to worry so much about symptoms we needed to worry about the way this thing worked and if we could help that we could make a big difference now this was a big difference than the way you would conduct a massage which is if your low back hurts well we're going to work on your low back and we're going to do some deep tissue work on your low back and and we're going to sort of encourage the body's natural healing abilities by working nourishing the area that needs work and that's important to do sometimes But we've got to, in a rolfing session, we sort of zoom out a little bit and we say, what's causing that back to be like that? That back is got a maybe that pelvis has an anterior tilt, maybe it's shifted forward a little bit, and maybe the right leg has a lateral rotation. Mm -hmm. So we've got a good idea. We look at, is there been a problem maybe in that ankle or in that knee that's causing that? Legs rotate out. Is there a strength and balance between front and back? And um, well, I guess uh, the narrative can kind of unravel from there. There, there is um, one of the interesting things about teaching the work is trying to explain it <laughs> to others <laughs> because it's always been a real challenge. After a while, um, you get the idea of the fundamentals of of how this works. Um, And that is, it really all comes back to this very, very simple thing, this straight line. But then there are some complexities sort of um, working within that.
0: Great. Yeah. And I I would like you to just kind of explain how the 10 sessions work, because before I came to you, I actually heard about you through a friend's sister that had similar problems and had gone through your series, and she raved about you as well and and how great her body had felt. So I didn't really do a lot of research, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't because I probably wouldn't have showed up, Uh, (laughs) Um, you know, because I didn't know what to expect. And when you said, like, it kind of hurts, yeah, there were times when I felt like I wanted to cry and jump off the table, (laughs) had to breathe so deeply during certain times. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was this was intent, one of the most intense things. But like you said, you know, in the first session, I felt that same way. Like, whoa, this is totally different than any massage I've ever gotten, and something is really happening here. You're one hundred percent right. Right. And one right. one of the interesting things that I found personally was, and again, I didn't read anything about the ten sessions or wh- what you were going to be working on. But I remember after. Each time I would come in, there would be a couple of weeks in between, a certain part of my body would feel out of balance. And you would say, oh, well, that's perfect because that's actually what this session is about today. And then I would right, come back again, right. and another yeah, part of my yeah. body was feeling off. And you're like, well, that's what we're working on today. I'm like, how the hell is this working? This is so crazy. <laughs> so um, yeah. so I, I'd like you to just maybe bring us through um, just in short detail about what are these 10 sessions? Why is it important for somebody to sign up for all 10 and how that works to integrate the alignment into the whole body.
1: Sure. Well, um, one of the things that um, I I always like to mention to any prospective clients, especially, is that I, I always like to do the first one first and then evaluate if that one worked for that person and if they felt like the, the work was a connect for them. Um, and interestingly, usually people do remember they remember the painful parts, but it's only a very small percentage of the sessions. Yeah. Um, usually about 90% of it feels pretty good, but there is there is 10% that's like, or I've got to challenge the way your body's been put together. And um, I do toe that hairy line of kind of, <laughs> I'm going to push this. I'm going to try to do as much as I can during today's session. Um, as I can kind of get away with. And so there is, there are some times that it does get a little bit more intense. And I sort of guard against um, with the notion of pain where there's a lot of sensation. And so when you have a... When you have a session where there's a lot of sensation, I call that a sensational session. (laughs) That means that there was, yeah, I felt a lot, and therefore I had a lot of sensation, therefore it was a sensational session. And session four, the pelvic floor one and the insides of the legs, is usually a very sensational session. Session one, we're looking, so there's there's a 10, they call it the recipe altogether. And within the 10 series, there's sort of a framework for... How to do it now when you're in Rolfing School, structural integration school. They, 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 Ida Rolf considered it a folk art, meaning that this was taught from master to student, it was taught verbally, and it was taught through experience. And she insisted it be taught that way, so there's no like. You don't show up at school and you're given a manual about a step-by-step instruction on how to do this. You go to school and you're given the goals, these overall sort of arching feelings and goals about what you're trying to accomplish in each session. Within that, you can do anything you want to accomplish that. And in fact, you can do it in any way. And the game is how can two different people, two different therapists, address two totally different bodies in different ways and get the same result. And so that's the, that's the game is when, when you're learning this, each therapist is going to conduct a session differently. Each person is going to have different needs, but you're going to find a way to leave everybody feeling roughly in the same way. So, the, so what I'm about to spell out is that, are those goals that we try to get everybody to do, and there's a wide, wide variety of ways to do it. I never do the same. We'll call it a session one. I never really do the same session one twice. I, you know, it's it's kind of different for everybody. That said, the feeling that me and you both shared after that first session is something that we're always sort of going for. So session one is to open up the front of the body and we're working on the superficial fascia layer. The superficial fascia layer is your skin and the stuff immediately underneath it, we can call the deep fascia layer the the muscle that surrounds or 'm sorry the fascia that surrounds muscle, and we can call your superficial fascia layer your skin and that sort of gentle, soft covering that covers your body that can get it's a very unified it's a very unified layer. Session one is probably the most important one to get right and to and to do well. It's probably the hardest one to do well because it's, it's easy to want to go deeper. Um, probably half, well, probably a quarter of our body is this superficial fascia layer, probably a quarter is muscle, probably a quarter is bone, and somewhere around a quarter is organ. And so this layer, um, a lot of massage is actually only done on this layer and it addresses the musculature underneath only very briefly. But we really address this layer and we try to get it to fit well on your body and we try to open up your front. A lot of people are seated or driving or at computers and their front gets really short. So when you get up, you just have this sense of aha. And if your front gets short, your back typically gets unhappy. So. If somebody has neck and shoulder pain or low back pain, I know I've got to really open up their front to make a big difference. Session two, we're working on your feet and your relationship to the ground. So it's, it's how, does your body, how does your body feel about the ground? How do your feet interact with the ground? Are they, are they flat in the ground? Are they this? Are they that? Whatever it is, we want to make that a better place so that you feel grounded and stable. Your structure feels grounded and stable. As a result, very often the person feels grounded and stable. Session three is the relationship of hip and shoulders. This is kind of a sideline session. We're opening up the side. In session one, we're opening up the front. Session three, we're opening up the side. Um, session four, hips and pelvic floor, this is taking the work we did in session two on the ground, bringing it up to the pelvis in four. So we're sort of building upward. Session five, working on the core and abdomen. This is is the spring that sort of pushes your top up and your down down. So in session four, we've worked on the pelvis, creating stability from your feet, legs, and pelvis. Session five, we're working on having your lower half be your lower half, your upper half be your upper half, and the spring in uh, in between. Session five, we're working on the psoas. Six, working on your back, your whole back line, kind of heels to head, that kind of thing. Seven, we're working on the head, neck, face. We're kind of, we're we're working on this this, um, this communicator, this thing that takes in all this information and gives out all this information. At this point, we've worked on just about everything in the body, and we're sort of, we're putting the cherry on top. We're putting the head kind of on top of this body. And so uh, session seven, done well, you leave feeling like your head is very light, like it's filled with helium. And you're just like, oh, I feel very tall and sort of open, receptive. This is a very receptive session. Eight, nine, and 10 are the integrative sessions. Eight, typically a lower body integration. Nine, upper body. Ten, full body integration. Integration, meaning we're taking the parts and integrating them into the whole. There's more movement involved in the, on the client at this point. We're taking these larger things, two, four, six were lower body sessions. Eight is a complete lower body session where we're bringing the whole lower body together, relating it to the core. Nine, we're working on the, the things that we did in sessions one, three, five, and seven. We're bringing them all together. And putting them together in nine, and this is sort of to address any last minute things that we've got to get to, and then ten is like the inside of one this is a this is a revolutionary session, and that and an evolutionary session in that the wheel has turned around one full time, we've gone through one complete cycle, and as having gone through that cycle, we've gone somewhere. the wheel has moved, we've sort of moved forward, but we're sort of back to where we started but we're back to where we started in a new way. And so we're sort of working, to, we're working on that same superficial layer, but we're like kind of hiding anything else. And we're, we're ideally we're leaving the pe- person feeling not only complete and whole, but complete and whole with themselves. And they feel like they the feeling I had after this was that I owned my body. For the first time I, I was living and I really owned my body and and that is just a profound experience it's a it's an experience that we all sort of crave sometimes without knowing it sometimes we get we end up living very externally we look outside for for validation and stimulus and phones and all this other stuff outside of us and this is a way of getting that from the inside you feel complete you feel contained you're you're one singular highly functional unit and um, that idea that sense when that's in your when that sort of when that resonates with you you feel good as a person you feel alive as a person you feel capable as your own individual and so I try to keep pretty physical with my work I feel that there are um Therapists who are really much better at doing talk therapy or much better. I really don't do it at all. But at the same time, there is something very profound about changing how your body feels that has some profound effects on how you feel as a person. You know, this idea of healing can be a uh, a very powerful thing. The great healing smile, once that gets into your body, um, it really can. It can change the way you think.
0: Yeah, it really is an amazing process to go through, and and as you're describing it, it's it's hard for somebody to understand unless you really go through it. But everything that you say about what each session does really does happen about standing taller and feeling more in your body. Um, right, right. I, I remember there. I, I would say the sessions that had the most profound uh, impact on me were probably three, four and six and seven was kind of fun. And I wanted to talk a little bit about those, um, uh-huh. because one of the things that happened for me, and I don't know if you, uh, get this feedback from other clients because you and I, we really didn't exchange much after the session, you know, the session was done and, you know, we would check in with each other a little bit, but I mean, I would go home and journal things that I would experience or see or feel or emotions that were being released. Um, after some of these sessions and the hip one i had always heard like in some of the yoga classes that i've taken that our hips hold a lot of emotion and memory and i thought i was going crazy in one yoga class because i didn't realize that it was a hip opener class and i was like crying at shavasana i'm like why am i crying in a yoga class like i feel so stupid this is crazy and then you know i came to learn a little bit about the theory that um, emotions are held in our hips and during that session when you were working on me, I had memories come back from like early childhood that I totally forgot about. And it was, Mm -hmm. you know, and I found that there was like a lot of emotion and kind of, there were some things that were really comforting uh, to remember and other things, not so much, but I remember my hips just feeling so different afterwards. And that was, it was also kind of like emotionally, um, quite an emotional experience as well. Uh, So I think that was like three and four were like kind of the big ones. And I remember there was one session where I was processing a lot of grief because that happened to be coming up with whatever was releasing from my body. And I remember you had said, I felt some sadness in the room today. And I was like, oh, yes, yes. And, you know, (laughs) followed up with an email about the reason to that. But, you know, that was was quite interesting because, you know, when you go for and again, I, I don't really look at this as a massage per se because it's so much more than that but sometimes you're not experiencing that or have had that experience to be processing a lot of memories or emotions and in session six um, I think one of the things that I also learned about this whole experience was you were touching muscles and things in my body that I didn't even know existed <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I felt like I was learning about the body, and um, oh yeah, and the but the back and the spine was so I came out of that, and it was there was so much vulnerability there, and mm-hmm. because. You know, a lot of times you hear people like they don't put their backs to the door or, you know, it's like you always want to see who's behind you or some people can be like hypervigilant like that. And it was so interesting when you were working on the back, it just felt complete vulnerability and exposure like, I can't protect myself. (laughs) You know, Mm it's like, I can't see what's going on behind me. And I don't know if that's just kind of like a natural human instinct where we want to protect and guard our backs. But that was Mm -hmm. a really powerful session as well. So um, I was just wondering, you know, if you get some other feedback like that from clients about what each session can kind of bring out. Sure. Bodies hold
1: this sort of holographic image of the past. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I've had people like giggle and laugh uncontrollably. Sometimes there's tears. Sometimes there's, um, I guess, um, to speak to your point, lower bodies. Tend to hold more, I think, than upper bodies do. Our legs tend to be more pattern holding, and they tend to, just like you said, hips tend to really hold emotions. For me, um, it was a foot and ankle that I had broken as a kid, and then broken a bunch of times as a kid, and then and that tied into, into friendships and relationships and and all this other stuff. That boy, oh boy, I just had a complete meltdown, now, and the meltdown was sort of like and viewing it in a space that was now safe and comfortable. I was no longer that kid with a broken ankle. I was now an adult who is observing the kid with a broken ankle and nurturing and caring for that kid and saying, you know what? It's cool. We made it through and now we can move on. And there's something about the the hiddenness of our body. Just like you said, there's there's these parts unknown <laughs> that we can kind of carry around and we can those, we can, we can kind of shed light on some of those dusty corners and then it's not so bad, is it? You know? And then it's right right there. And it's like, yeah, you know what? that, that did hurt, but I can, it doesn't need to hurt anymore. Or I can sort of, I can put that in a drawer and I can put that hurt away. And if I want to open up the drawer and see it, I can, but it doesn't need to just be there all the time. It doesn't need to be a, you know, an operating system that I don't know about. It's, it's there and it's safe. And that's part of me. And it's a part of me that I sort of accept. And um, so when you're working on the physical, you're there's you're always working on the other parts. This is the thing about integration. This is the thing about any complex nonlinear object. You could even think of it like an economy or um, or anything. There's these are it's a when you're working on one part you're working on the whole when you're working on an ankle you're working on a body as a whole when you're working on the ankle you're also working on the person as a whole and um so maybe not in so much direct ways but they are they are a, they are one they're they're a unified system they're a singular they're they're a oneness i remember Doing my first cadaver lab and and having this just profound sense of like the density of human life and how how packed in everything was and it was like oh my god I should just quit doing this work because this is the too complex this mm. body that we're running around is, is way too complex how can my hands do anything and i realize most of what i'm doing is engaging that healing system and getting your healing system to to come alive and then you know one of the other things that you learn is that when you're doing a, a cadaver lab is that we we aren't just connected they're not just parts that are connected it is a oneness it is it is beyond connected it is a singular Unit. You can't. You can't peel a pear, and you know that skin and the meat and the seed. Everything is kind of wrapped into one, and um, that is the architecture of life.
0: Yeah, and I was curious to ask you too, like some people may say, oh, well, I get massages weekly. But in this 10 series, like you said, oh, we have to wait a couple of weeks. And then once we were done with the 10, you basically said, I'll see you in about six months. <laughs> and so like it was, right. what, what is that, what's the reason for that? And why is there so much time in between sessions and then after you complete a whole series to wait to come back? Right. That's a time of
1: change. When you're getting the sessions, it's a time of change. There are certainly practitioners that work more closely than once every few weeks. Um, part of the, um, um, my, and, and I did that, I think earlier in my career, and then I started to get kind of busy and I realized, you know, this also works once every three weeks or once a month. Um, so the you can do it as close as once a week. Ida um, Rolf suggested that the first three were done in the first week and then done weekly after that, so the whole thing um, to take about two months. Um, some people like that it's very intense it's a very it's a time of real profound change um, For me when I went through it, um, I found that to be almost too much. I did it that way twice. Um, And I've done it um, a little slower, and I found I kind of liked the pace of a little bit of a slower session. We set it up like that because there's a time to change and grow, and then there's a time to be stable on your own. So when you work with me, that's a time of growth and change. And then when you stop working with me, that's a time of independence. You don't need me to grow and change. And we want to ultimately we're we're about creating independent, strong creatures and the, um, the reliance on outside things, the reliance on me to be the thing that helps you loses. And and, on some level, it's, it's not quite correct. You're the thing that helps you. I'm just a, I'm just getting some of the leaves out of the path. And so um, ultimately, we very much want to we want to create sort of independent people that that don't need the work. You know, it's it's crazy as that sounds. (laughs) The more the better I am at doing this, the The better I am at getting people to sort of be independent, the more they (laughs) the more they want to see me, which is (laughs) totally crazy. So I'm like, oh, no, let's take a year off. You know, I'll see you next year. (laughs) One of the nice things that happens, though, is after 15, 20 years of practice, you've got this family of people that that see you regularly and then they know how important it is. And they recognize that, oh, I'm going to get a three series. I'm going to get them probably in a month but then I'm not going to, I'm going to go live my life for six months, you know, and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to have to be saddled by all these appointments and things. And, um, and that can be really nice. Contrast that with massage and, you know, full disclosure, I own a massage business and we we do a lot of that. Um, And um, massage can be, again, it's more nourishing. It's more, it's more giving. It's more, um, this is about sort of, Caring and promoting that sort of natural health, um, whereas we see bodywork as a time of change, um, so two kind of different things and two different ways to sort of uh, go about um, to go about receiving those sessions.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the longevity that you've been in this practice and being a massage therapist, I mean, if anyone's ever had a massage by you, it's amazing the strength of your hands and the toll that it takes on the body, and I've heard sometimes that massage therapists will burn out after five to eight years because it takes such a physical toll on the body, and, you know, anyone that is listening and is a massage therapist, can you give any tips of how you've been able to stay in the business for so long doing what you? do, and how does one take care of themselves to have a practice like you have for so long?
1: Yeah, you know, um, slow down is one thing, and um, the other thing is your thumbs are only 10% of your (laughs) hands, so maybe you should, in an hour session, you should use your thumbs no more than six minutes, right? That's (laughs) That's the absolute outside, and of the six minutes, that's really three minutes per thumb, so there's you know, dial it back. You know, there's definitely, um, what I see when I teach massage therapists is they, they tend to move very quickly and they tend to use their thumbs a lot. I use a lot of, um, other body parts. I use my elbows and knuckles and forearms and the work is purposeful and it is definitely slower. And I use my body weight a lot. Um, additionally, a massage therapist needs to be strong. They need to be healthy. I believe that they should be, if not doing yoga, they need to have some kind of body practice. I think there's, for years, I sort of uh, wasn't really a gym rat, and I didn't really, I didn't really see the point of actually come full circle. I think you can use gym equipment in really interesting and useful ways of um, creating strength for your body. Um, more often than not, massage therapists that have pain have have genuine weaknesses in places that they just need to be stronger sometimes it's their it's their backs or their arms or shoulders i I found rock climbing was uh really useful for a number of years um but typically to do a lot of them you've got to be you've got to be stronger than you need to be to do it and and then you can kind of get away and then you have to care for yourself really very much on purpose um you know i've got a i've got a new baby at home and my 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 self care has gone by the wayside and i sort of now see that like wow this is a lot more complicated when you're just like a single dude yeah you, you can you can be totally selfish and care for yourself all the time but then you get a uh, you get a family going and it's like oh boy i got to i'm going to have to get up real early to care for myself but but if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. And that is um, – but I was right in that target after about four or five years uh, doing massage. I, I was done. And um, if it hadn't been for some some other sort of influence or some other like new way of doing things, I wouldn't have lasted. And And so I see that as a responsibility I have to my therapist community now is to – you know, share some of this stuff back, you know, so Rolfing school is sort of a big deal and not everybody can, can do that. Um, but I feel like there's a lot I can share with massage therapists and body workers to make the, to make the field as a whole, a better place. You know, there's, there's, and any therapist should have a wide variety of tools and it's nice to be able to switch between those tools pretty easily. Um, I think, um, and certainly, like I said, there's tremendous value in massage, um, but that's only one portion of a, of a larger range of things that can be done.
0: Yeah. And what kind of ailments, just for our listeners, um, does structural integration work best for? Like, who are the people that you see regularly or the conditions and ailments that are coming in for the 10 series? Um, so you know
1: I've had really good luck, like lately I've had a bunch of t m j people, and I've had pretty good luck with that um you know I see t m j as a relationship of your jaw and your thorax being the front part of your body and your maxilla and cranium being the back side of your body and your first cervical vertebrae, your atlas and your occipital ridge the bottom of your cranium, that relationship and your jaw are really important. And um, I've had some pretty good luck working with that. Um, just recently, I've been really hot on that. Um, low backs are one of those things that a lot of times there's, there's just, there's, how I call that kind of low-hanging fruit. There's some just easy things you can do to really improve how a low back feels. You know, certainly um, necks and shoulders, if we're looking at like, um, you know, I would approach that in a way that is this shoulder rounding forward and why is that shoulder rounding forward? On day one of structural integration class, um, they ask, what's the most important relationship in the body? And that is of the psoas, the core, the iliopsoas is this deep core muscle and the rhomboids, as your psoas functions, it should act as a piston that pushes your up, up, and pushes your down, down. And when your up goes up, your shoulders can be neutral on your back. So you don't have to look like you're in military camp with your shoulders back and your chest out. A lot of times people think that's good posture. Good posture is natural and, and effortless. And um, so when we're when I'm working with someone, that's sort of what I'm going for is this effortless verticality. Um, And, you know, again, this, the rolfing work tends to be a little less symptomatic in its approach, but it tends to be really good at helping with symptoms. And um, so, so those are some pretty common things. Knees like to be straight forward and straight back. So when you look at a knee, you think, what isn't straightforward and what isn't straight back here is there a rotation and and where is that um hips are the same way you know there's there's compression and rotation that can happen at the hips and that can be a function of sometimes the rib cage sometimes the low back sometimes the torsion in the pelvis um all those things can be usually pretty easily identified and worked on typically when i work with uh, client, I come up with what I call the therapeutic model. And this is a, this is everything they've told me. This is everything I see when I see them standing. And this is what I feel. And I create a super, super simplification of it in a model that I use in my head. And then I test that model through work. And then we see how that work worked. Um, I create the most sophisticated model I possibly can, but I'll never be able to factor in everything that's going on in a body. Um, so, so those are some pretty common things. I mean, that's like, that kind of most of the people that come in the door, they've got some of those things kind of happening. Um, as far as demographics, I mean, I've got some people that are in college right now that I'm working with and I've got some people in their eighties that I'm working with. And, um, both of them have unique sets of needs and, um, are in for something very different. Um, you know, people in their 80s want to stay moving and feel good, and they want to feel alive. And people in college want to get back to doing some of the activities that they were doing that they really enjoyed. Um, but they're all of a sudden they're paying the price for <laughs> some of the things that they, they can't get away with it anymore. You know, there's, there's a time when the rebound of youth works so well that you begin to take it for granted, and then things come up and, needs a little bit of uh a little bit of influence from somebody like me
0: yeah well i have to say it was probably one of the best financial investments i've ever made into my body and uh you know we have listeners from all around the world and i know we have listeners from new york and outside of new york but if people are coming to uh visit saratoga springs you should definitely check out bodywork professionals uh their website's bodyworkprofessionals.com uh of course i I'm a little biased, and I would recommend Nick. But your um, therapist <laughs> there—I have had other sessions with some of the other therapists at your place, and that's been amazing as well. Um, so, great. and and before we let you go, I uh, you know we have just a couple of more minutes left. Massage work isn't all that you're doing, but you've also recently have gotten more involved with a gong lab. And I know that you and your brother work together to hold uh, basically these gong healings for people to come to the studio and to lay down and soak in the beautiful vibration and sounds of the gong. So can you just talk a little bit about that and how you got into that?
1: Right. We had... um, I was interested in vibration as a mechanical way of when i was working with connected working with connective tissue i noticed it took some time to warm it up and so i use a heating element but i also thought well i've got to use maybe vibration will be a way of um, getting somebody loosened up a little bit more so i mounted under a massage table these uh, transducers which are they're, they're actually, I got them from a auto, uh, audio supply store that sells things that movie theaters put under seat cushions and things so that you can feel the explosions and you can feel the bass. Um, so I mounted some of these under the table and I ran these sine waves through it, and I found a sine wave on its own didn't do anything. You ought to have two sine waves that overlapped each other by a little bit. So. and then 14.4 hertz gives you this binaural beat and that binaural beat bodies really latch on to and it feels really good so um i called it the harmonic wave transducer and i thought i was a genius this is this is great (laughs) turns out it was just such a pain and everybody had a different frequency that their body worked in worked well at and I was noodling with my electronics maybe a little bit too much during the sessions and I had to really put that down Um, and I had gone to a gong bath and this is these are these are a gong bath is when somebody puts up their gongs and you lie in a room and they they play their gongs and they fill the room with sound and I had gone to one of these and found that this is what I was looking for this isn't one spinal beat this isn't two waveforms this is 10,000 waveforms and my body is choosing whatever it is that my body is choosing and I found it just just astonishing so I um after some time I was I was really hot on this and I would tell anybody that would listen to me about this and how cool it was we um there came a time I was telling my brother and we just decided to kind of put some money on the barrel head and, and get $10,000 worth of guns. Let's just, let's put our foot in the door and let's give this a try. And so we got him and we played with him and we had a wonderful time and we had a good time with him. We thought this is really cool, but really had no idea kind of what we were doing. So we found a great teacher in New York city, Don Conroe. He travels all over the world. Um, also in his eighties, um, brilliant, wonderful, wonderful, sweet man. And um, he taught us or he continues to teach us. We've been learning with him for six years. He continues to teach us the way of the gong. And um, what we're doing when we put somebody in a gong bath, put somebody through a gong bath, is we are submerging them in sound. We are enveloping a body in as much sound as we can pack into a room. The Gong is an engine of sound and power and vibrational force, and we've got 32 of them now. We've added some more gongs to our collection, (laughs) five of them initially, and um, we found that um, this is a—we never could— Be quite sure what we were doing with a gong bath. So we called it a gong lab because we're kind of running an experiment here to see, you know, what's, what are we doing? What are we trying to pull off here? And what we found is for a lot of people, um, it, it usually is some kind of healing experience. It can be, that can be just by relaxing. That can be by kind of, um, it's sort of a paved path to meditation because because your body and your mind is receiving so much stimulus, it allows your mind to really be quiet after a period of time. And that can be a wonderful place when you're when your front mind is quiet, your back mind. <laughs> there's another mind behind the front mind, isn't there?
0: Yes. There <laughs> and, is.
1: um, yeah. So <laughs> so that one. Sort of chimes in and says, finally, you've come to me, you, you, you woke me this is this is what we 've been waiting for and um, so I noticed a lot of people were coming to massage sometimes just for that, and I thought i can we can do this we can I can bring this to I can bring this to more people. so we started doing gong labs and so um, you know once a month, I got one tonight, actually, once a month, we get everybody together and or get everybody together. I shoot out an email, and a bunch of people come. And, Come into a room and we play the gongs and we set the space for it. We set the intention. You know, we kind of talk a little bit about uh, what it is and and then we just whack these gongs. I'm going to play one. I got it here in front of me. This is a um, this is a this is a Thai temple gong. Um, you're going to really hear this, uh, so kind of be careful. Rattle the <laughs> that'll <laughs> rattle the cages. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've got a uh, I've got a bunch of these things, and uh, boy oh boy, you can feel it, and it's just a it's just a wonderful experience. And um, so you know, it's just something that's become a hobby. You know, we've got um, I've got a room set up here in my Saratoga office um, just for gongs and private gong lab sessions, um, and then once a month we bring them to a studio when we um, we do our thing and boy, it's such a wonderful joy and relief for me to be able to sort of bring this. I don't love carrying them. (laughs) I've got to be honest. It's sort of a, it's sort of a pain, but I love doing it. And so we always say we would just, Jim and I would just do this for each other. You know, we would just do it, um, uh, just for him and I, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's just a, it's a fun thing that we're still sort of exploring and, um, getting good at and it's nice to have a uh, such a wonderful teacher to sort of show you all these this whole other world this these this world of sort of intersecting ideas and um, um, the gongs really open up a they open up something special in 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 me and in others there's it's such a primal and basic sound and At the same time, it's sort of full of meaning and kind of mystery. And um, so, yeah, it's just sort of a sort of a fun thing we've been at for a while.
0: Yeah, and I've I've enjoyed it. I've come to a couple of yours. I've been to a couple of others. But the interesting mm-hmm. thing about your uh, gong lab is the number of gongs that you guys have set up and the different sounds, whereas some of the larger ones that are tuned to the planets, um, you know, that people just use those, it's, it's a totally different sound. So different experiences with different gong baths, I guess you could say. But I definitely enjoyed oh, yeah. yours as well. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for being a guest on our podcast this was This was great, and as always, great to see you and I think I'm due to come in soon anyway, so um, <laughs> okay. we'll hopefully see you before the spring and uh, why don't you just, just let our listeners yeah, just let our listeners know one more time where they can uh, find information about your studio and the gong lab
1: right so bodyworkprofessionals.com or gonglab dot com
0: Okay. And you guys also have a Facebook page that people can like as well um, right, for the Gong right. Lab. Yeah. Okay. All right, Nick. Well, thanks again. Thanks, April. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, GaiMTV.com and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at infothepastseries.com at or send us a tweet at the past series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.